Sorry about it. <laughs> but I'm going to fail forward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to label this as failure. <laughs> Welcome to Electrician You Podcast. I am Drake. And I am Dustin. Today we are going to talk about starting a business. Yeah, specifically just kind of general experiences that I've had, experiences that you've had. We both own businesses. I've had several businesses. It seems to be all I do now is do business stuff. And the nature of the businesses that I've had are a little bit different than what you've had. Yeah, but absolutely. I, I think largely when we sit on the phone and we talk about like what sucks about life, it's yeah. usually <laughs> the same kind of things happen within business that you have to deal with. So um, what do you think, to start out on like a positive note, what do you think are some of the the best things that have happened for you since you stopped being an employee somewhere and you actually started your own thing. Nothing. <laughs> it all sucked. <laughs> it all. End of podcast. Done. Done. This is a mirrored thought. When I opened up a business, well, first off, it's not just like cut dry, but just to make it cut dry. When I suddenly had my business, I had all this free time. Mm. To do my business. Yeah. You, know? you have free time, but if you don't spend it on the business, you're screwed. So there is a freedom. There is a pride. There is a driving force of like, this is mine. I'm going to make this the best I can. Working for someone, it's good to have that mentality of like, I'm a great teammate. I'm going to push whoever I'm working for. A lot of times we feel when we aren't good at something, we don't like it. Mm-hmm. So when you are good at something, you like it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when uh, students first start playing an instrument, they're like, oh, I hate doing this. It's like, no, stick with it for a second. And then once you're good at it, you're like, oh, I'm good at it. And there's this pride. Same with sports. Yeah. Um, same with most anything. There's that pride of, all right, I am doing something for myself, by myself. And it's liberating. Yeah. And it's a lot of work. Yeah, that's it's insane how much work goes into making your own work yeah. <laughs> you know um when i first started out like the, the the idea when i was young i've always had a business since i was i don't know maybe like 20 years old i've always had some kind of an llc some side hustle thing i was chasing empire i was trying to build i always saw myself as this kid that was going to be like really wealthy when i was 26 and I don't know why. I don't know where that came from. Like my parents don't have that kind of an attitude. I didn't really have any friends. It was just something inside of me that was um, like, I don't want to be broke and I want to do something important, you know? But I always thought that that meant if I, if I have a business that I don't have to work very hard. Right. It's and literally the opposite. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> the one thing that has been the most harrowing out of all of this. Um, I attribute it very similar though to... Having a mortgage, owning a house, comparative to renting an apartment. When you're renting an apartment, you're giving your money to someone else. Mm-hmm. That's like working for someone. I mean, granted, you're getting paid, but it's the same kind of concept. If you own a house, you know, or have a mortgage on a house, you're paying that as an investment to yourself. So, like having your own business is all that hard work, you know, barring success and there's a lot of luck and and timely stuff you know 
the world has to continue working properly for it to work. But if all goes well, all of that investment that you put into yourself goes into your business, which goes into yourself, which goes into the business. Yeah. Instead of working for someone else, which there's nothing bad with that. Matter of fact, we need we need ninety percent of the people to yes. be employees and not business owners. But you, you see the the comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with the, you know, with the house thing, like you do, you have an investment that later on you can actually take advantage of. What I what I always thought when I was younger was that that's going to happen quickly. Yes, and that's the other side of this is not only is it a harrowing amount of work, do like endless sleepless nights, seven days a week, seven days a week for years on end. Like it doesn't stop until you decide to just stop doing this. Yeah, because once you stop, it kind of stops. Yeah, <laughs> it might have a lot of momentum, but it'll slow down and yeah. eventually stop. Yeah. And so like I would sit and do financial projections and stuff and be like, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars my first year. You know, I just always thought it was going to be fast. And that's not at all the case. It is so much more expensive to go into business than you think it is. Some businesses, not so much. I mean, some businesses, like if you're smart about it and you can find a business that's like very little overhead and there's not a huge amount of stuff you got to buy all the time and pay people, then yeah, it's not as bad. But the, the possibility of you making a whole bunch of money is probably pretty low too. Yeah. But yeah, the, um, the employee thing was, is what hit me hardest. Mm. Once I had people to pay, especially full-time people, multiple of them with taxes, payroll, everything. And then being in an electrical company, you don't realize, but like, if you have like a $500,000 electrical job, you're probably going to have about, um, at least half of that is material cost. You know, like that's literally money you don't get. Yeah. So all of a sudden you get 250,000, but you might have a payroll of $300,000 a year. So that one job, you're already negative for the year. So you have to have another job to keep going. So it like, there's this constant rising and falling of, of your bank account with doing electrical work. And it's not for a really long time of doing it over and over where you start to realize like, oh, I need to charge more and be okay with charging more. I need to not try to sit here and be the cheapest guy and do all the work all the time. You have to be a little more strict. Yeah. Because especially with electrical work or any trades, you don't get paid in full until it's done. Right. Also. And done right, correctly, finished, final. So you have to pay your employees weekly. Until and, that. <laughs> and then, Right. And then you don't get paid for uh, six months, seven months if it's a huge job. Yeah. You know, you might get half up or something. But yeah, being strict was one of my first hardships as a business. When I first started my music school, there were so many students, parents that I became friendly with. It's a very friendly environment in general. There's a lot of times where I'm sitting in the waiting room with them where my desk is and their kids are taking a lesson. So there's this half hour where we're just chatting. We get to know each other and become friendly and I'm kind of a friendly person. So there was almost a lot of friendships that I've built. Well, having friends be the one who pay you becomes tricky Mm -hmm. because... You know, one month they had a hardship or their car broke or, or something. They had a hardship. There, there have been times where I'm like, it's fine. You know, don't, don't worry about it. I got you this month. Doing that every once in a while, I mean, I don't anymore. But if I did that only every once in a while, that'd be fine. But then there was also like, pay me when you can. And then three months go by and it's just like, okay, well, hey, I need you to pay. And then there's this awkwardness and then they disappear. Yeah. Or they're just always late and kind of like the whole electrical thing where you get paid afterwards. 
how I have it structured, which is actually smart, is they pay for the month ahead of time. So say January 1st, they have to have their January payment paid because then I pay the teachers afterwards. Yeah, because your teachers still have to show up, so you're still going to lose the money. Right. You know, like, yeah. I need it ahead of time so I can pay them. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're paying two, three, four weeks late, now the money that I'm paying the teachers is coming from somewhere else. And that started to happen so much because I was just lenient. And I was also scared to lose students. And I, I needed, I didn't care what I got, essentially. It was like, okay, I just, I need to get as many students as possible to grow this business. So it's okay if you don't pay because I don't want to lose you. Yeah. What happened was COVID happened and I was three years into it. And when COVID happened, we had to shut down. We had to do Skype lessons, Zoom Mm -hmm. lessons. Yeah. So I was allowed to get these students who were never paying out of my hair. Yeah. I was just like, hey, we're closed. I'm sorry. (laughs) But for the ones who were always paying and, you know, in all reality, for the students that I really cared for and the the ones that had promise and whatever, I I made a judgment call and I offered Skype lessons. And then I had just enough to get through COVID, which was great. But it was kind of a cleaning slate where I then came out of COVID like, no, if you don't pay within a certain amount of time, you're off the schedule. Sorry. Like... And there's a respect that comes with that. Yeah. And that is something you don't know off the, off the bat. Right. You feel like sensitive to your customers, which is good. You're not supposed to be jerks to your customers, but you feel, you feel sensitive like, oh, yeah, no, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Please, please still be my customer, essentially. Yeah. And then there's a lack of respect. Yep. So if you're just like, no, if you want to be my customer, you have to pay and be respectful to me. And they see that as, oh, okay, yes, it's a professional thing. It's like this. It's but like, I like him because he's got a friend thing yes. about him too. But, he's friendly. But it's but business but first. Yes. Yeah, and it's your business. So it's got to be, uh, dude, I totally. It's so much smoother though. Yeah. So that that was one of the first things that I ran into. And all that was because of something that I want to talk about. Just because I was a good musician and a good teacher did not mean I was good at running a teaching school. Absolutely. If you're a good electrician, that doesn't mean you're a good businessman. It almost always means you're not. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you Until you dive in and... Because you have a whole, like to be a business owner is a separate job. It's like somebody could spend 10 years being a business owner and they can't be an electrician. Yeah. You know, they don't have the skill for it. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. At, at, by this point, I only teach two days because I have to run my business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. Like a, it's, it's really, really expensive to kind of just gaff things off and let things slide. You lose a lot of money that way. Like you need to be on top of everything, which means you need to be on top of all of your customers as well, because People that have to pay for things don't want to pay for things. People just want stuff and they don't want to pay. So, yeah, you have to like, (laughs) I have pit bulls, man. (laughs) This is going in a weird direction. I have pit bulls and these specific breeds of dogs push boundaries constantly. It doesn't matter how well trained they are. They've got this. You kind of have to have a sense of humor to be be a pit bull owner. 
um, biggest lovers in the world, biggest hearts, but they constantly push boundaries. So they need firm boundaries. You know, they have to have firm boundaries. And once they have firm boundaries, they can relax into those boundaries and they don't try to test it and push so much. Um, people are that way too. When you have employees, not only will employees try to test boundaries and push boundaries, they're going to try to get, they're going to try to get away with as much as you will let them get away. With. Absolutely. They are going to do the minimum as much as they can and whatever you allow is going to teach them that that's okay. And so I've been in a similar situation with employees in the past or with customers too, where it's just like, I've realized the failure or the stress that I'm going through is because I'm being way too nice. Mm -hmm. I'm being too, you know, good. It not even nice. I'm nice to everybody. I'm just like a, a friendly kind of good dude to everybody. And I, I'm respectful and all of that. But when it comes time to put your foot down. Yeah. You're being too lenient. Yes. Leniency is a very yes. different thing and you can't be lenient. You have to set a precedent first that I do not tolerate these things and this is what we're agreeing to. So if you violate this, it's the end of our thing, you know, have a very, very firm foundation on that. And then you can be as cool as you want after that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so um, also back to the, the like expensive thing. So just uh, for the electrical side of things, for those of you guys are, that are like thinking about getting into an electrical contracting business, think about all of the money that you see your boss making or that you think that they're making. You know, a lot of times you'll see a company out there that's got, I don't know, like two or three journeymen and a couple of helpers. And they're probably making one to 1.5 million a year in revenue. And so you think, Oh my God, they're making a million dollars a year. Like they're this guy must be rich. Mm -hmm. No, they're probably paying. I mean, you got to think for, for like, if each person's getting paid 25 bucks an hour, let's just say like on average, $25 an hour, that's a thousand dollars a week. Yeah. If you have six people, it's $6,000 per week. That's $24,000 a month. Think about how expensive that is. Yeah, times 12. Yeah. Yeah. So what is that? Like 200, uh, 144 times two, 288, 200. That's almost $300,000 right there. Yeah. So not only just to have three journeymen and three apprentices, and we, I, I say 25 because if you get apprentices that are paid 20 and journeymen that can pay 30, it's still 25, yeah, right? Yeah, it averages. Yeah. Average. So if you're, if you're paying out $300,000 a year, if you're making a million a year, Imagine how much money you're paying in materials as well. Right. If you're doing new construction, you're probably only going to be making about 10%. Yeah. And also don't forget taxes. Oh yeah. You have to pay double. So a lot of people don't realize when you pay an employee, there's taxes that get taken out of their pay, the withdrawal, uh, you know, um, social security and all that stuff gets taken out. We have to pay that also. So an employee's double taxed. The government gets double paid on an employee. So not only do you get 20% taken out of your paycheck, I got to pay an extra 20% on top of it for you. So it becomes really expensive. We're probably talking a half a million dollars now in this $1 million company that has spent just on paying people. And then that's you've got overtime. That's just normal. That's not truck payments. Right. You got a couple, you got three company trucks that you're paying notes on. I mean, you're probably talking another $1,500 a month. You got electricity, you got like all this stuff. And right. then when you do a job, if you do a hundred thousand dollar job, you're probably going to spend 90,000 in materials. Yeah. So you get 10% of that job out is profit or not, you know, 90, not, maybe not 90% materials, but like labor and materials, probably you're yeah. only going to come away with 10%. So it's very, 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 very expensive to have an electrical contracting company. And so you have to like, you have to have some, some like levity and understanding when you think of these companies, you know, like there's some of the, the top five or the top 50 electrical contracting companies are making anywhere from about $180 million a year to 
10 billion a year. The top company makes 10 billion. The other ones make like two to 3 billion. But when you see that number, you're like, oh my God, they're making so much money. Can you imagine having 1500 employees No. at anywhere ranging from like 20 to $40 an hour? Plus no, I feel like staff. half of those are people taking care of the other half. Yeah, it is a whole management teams, yeah. vice presidents, people estimating bidding like Jesus, dude, it's so expensive. So if you want to own an electrical contracting company, maybe there's a different company out there for you. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, start small. I've heard you talk about this. I hear a lot of people talk about this. When you first start a, an electrical business, don't go out and buy a shiny truck. No. Don't put yourself in debt right away. Just go out. Don't get a loan to start your business. Yeah. Just do the grind on your own. Put your tools on and go to work. Yep. And do what you're doing and be good at that and then get a good reputation. And then go from there once you start having enough money in the bank to realize that, oh, I could right now pay a whole entire year's salary to someone mm -hmm. in my bank account. Then maybe think about bringing someone on. Yeah. But, or get enough jobs where you're like, oh, I actually need someone right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So. Well, and that's the other thing. That's tricky. Like you have to get you have to get some experience under your belt running the business so you can see all the ways that you're going to fail. You can see the roller coaster that your bank account's going to go through constantly. You're going to spend five grand on a job and all of a sudden you got, you know, 10 grand sitting in your bank account and you think, ah, I'm still good. And then you get another job and you got to spend another five grand and you're like, oh crap, now I only have 5,000 in my bank account and you might not get paid for another three weeks. So like you're paying your own salary and paying your bills and everything. And then all of a sudden you get a job and then boom, you got like 20 grand. You know, and so it's just this up and down crazy cycle, but you need a year of experience of running a company just in general by yourself, understanding how much you should be charging, how customers work, how to advertise and everything. And then when you go to hire somebody, the idea of hiring another journeyman is that a journeyman is a money earner. You know, they're, they're bringing in more revenue. They cost a lot of money, but if you pay someone five grand a month, they should bring in 10 grand a month in revenue. So like, it, you know, it ends up. It ends up benefiting you, but you making that decision right when you start to just hire a journeyman and hire an apprentice or all that, that's a terrible time to do it because you're just hemorrhaging money and you have no clue what you're doing. But I also think that hiring anybody that early is probably too soon. I think that like what you said, I don't know that you necessarily have to have their entire sure, yearly salary I set aside. Went with a number in my head, but yeah, yeah, I think like three to six months of an employee's wages set aside so that if you hire somebody and all of a sudden things go wrong or, you know, a big job comes up, you lose some money on something, whatever you can still pay to, you can still afford to pay them for a few months while you go through the hardship so that they don't have to. Yep. Yeah. When I first started being a piano teacher, I, I was a piano teacher since I was 18 and I worked for all these different companies. And then I started having a couple at my house. I was like, you know, I can get all the money because when you work for a studio, you get basically half the money because there's overhead and, they're finding you all the students. There's the establishment. You have the room. You, you don't have to deal with anything. As a, as a teacher, just a teacher, not business owner, you walk in, you go into your room, you teach your lessons, and you leave. Yeah. Um, for half the money. For half the money. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, still a pretty good wage. Mm -hmm. When I realized, oh, if I have like a few students, I get all of that money. So I started to do the hustle a little bit on Craigslist and, and Facebook at the time. And I started getting like five or six, seven students at my house. And it was kind of cool. And then one of, one of my students' moms asked, do you teach guitar? And I was like, I do. <laughs> I have a friend. And she's like, great, let's, you know, let's set that up. And so I called him up. I was like, do you want a student? And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. So I started advertising for 
lessons just through my house. And because there was no overhead and there was, they were paying lesson by lesson at the time, there was no like loss. Mm -hmm. It was, it was just easy. But then once it started getting too much for my house, that was when I was like, all right, now I need to get a place. Yeah. And when I got the place, there was suddenly overhead. Yeah. And you had a mad dash to find more students all of a sudden. And it was interesting. There's piano lessons and guitar lessons. There's a lot of people who want that, which is nice. When I got the new place, I had that teacher and me only for a long time and really learned how to do it. Sort of. Yeah. You know, but you also didn't have to pay them a full-time salary, right? Like right. the majority of the the economics with it was like, if students come in, you get paid. Right. And so that, that actually seems like, I wonder if there's a way to do that. Well, once I started bringing new teachers on, I couldn't be like, hey, you might or might not get paid. Right. Right. So I started to charge them, the students, the beginning of the month. So mm-hmm. I would have them money for that month. And it was month by month. And, and it worked out. Except yeah, for- and you can do that in electrical contracting too. Like a lot of times when you get a, a new construction job or really any job, you could say like, I want half up front to cover everything so I yeah. can pay my people and get materials. Or you can do like a draw of like a quarter and then a quarter and then a quarter, you know, as yep. the progress goes. But getting that money up front is another thing that a lot of people don't get right when they first start out. Yeah. And I think it's it's crucial. You've got to think about you. Yep. Yeah, because it's more than just you. As you were saying, there's there's all the cost of an electrical job, but there's also like cleaning supplies, uh, toiletries. Those things add up. Mm-hmm. The printer supplies, uh, the computer itself, the all of it. Yeah keeping your license, going to marketing events, advertising on Yelp and Google and all these places. Because That's not cheap. No, because you can get listed, but you're not going to get advertised. You're no. not going to get promoted, you know? So if you really want to be in front of people's faces, like that costs a lot of money. It's a, it's a constant suck. So I actually had a guy that emailed me recently that I wrote maybe the longest email I've ever written back to somebody. Dude's like, hey, I, uh, I'm getting my master license. I'm an inspector as well. And, uh, I am thinking about getting a loan and like taking on money. He didn't say a loan. He just said taking on money. That either means taking on an investor who's going to have a a share in your company and a say over what you do, or he's going to go to a bank and get a loan. And from the time he gets the loan, he has to keep paying the loan back. And so I immediately was like, no, 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 no. Do not take a loan out to start a company. It's a signal that you have a weak company. If you can't enter the marketplace and understand how to navigate through it and make money off of a skill, you have no business doing it with money because you're just going to burn waste all that money and you're not going to come out any better for it. You know, I was like, you need to, there's no reason why you need to go buy a $60,000 truck and that you need to have a shop that costs $3,000 a month work out of your house. You got a garage that's free. Or if you don't go to U-Haul, U-Haul has office spaces, which with attached, uh, like uh, warehouse spaces that you can get for like 500 bucks a month, kind of, you know, probably more nowadays, but that's what I did. I, I had a $250 bill every month and I just had a U-Haul space and me and the guys went into that thing and rolled up the door. I had shelves and everything, but like that was 200 bucks a month. You know, yeah. I wasn't trying to be fancy. I was even filming myself at the place, building all the stuff, you know, talking about it. But you got to start out humbly. You can get away with a $8,000 truck and your garage. That'll get you through a lot of stuff. Throw some signs on your truck. Check out Craigslist to see who's putting stuff out there. I don't advertise on Craigslist because it's just bottom of the barrel stuff. But every once in a while, you might have a customer that puts it. Hey, I got this job and I'm looking for somebody. So you can find work for really like 
not that much. You can go some, some like tips that I would do things that I did is I would drive around and go to real estate offices because I always get calls from realtors that like, Hey, I have this punch list. I'm trying to sell a house and it won't sell. And I need these things taken care of like ASAP. So I just go introduce myself, give them a, a business card and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm Dustin. And I was super nice with them. I laughed and joked around and I'm like, I'm really good at this. I'm brand new at the business side. So I'm going to give you a really good deal, but I guarantee every one of your customers is going to love me. They're going to like rave about me when I come into the house. And so that, you know, these realtors are like, yeah, okay, that's exactly great. what I want to hear, yep. you know? So you start getting calls and then you go to the city hall and you go to the chamber of commerce and you start introducing yourself. These are all like free things that you can do. Get yourself posted on, on Google. And uh, right now it's kind of sucks, but like people go to Google to find electricians. It used to just be word of mouth or, or paid advertisement. No, but everybody like, just asks, asks their phone. Yeah. yeah. So you, like it sucks to be in a review based business. You want to be word of mouth, but you kind of have to do it. If you don't exist online in the review ecosystem, you don't exist as a contractor. Yeah, that is reviews are now the word of mouth. Yeah. yeah. So every customer that you do business with, just say, hey, if you really liked this and I did a good job, I don't, you know, like I don't work off tips, but I do work off reviews. So could you please tell some people about it? Here's a link to the thing. And then you build up a whole bunch of reviews, but none of that has costed you money. What starts costing money is the lead feed services. So like Angie's List and Thumbtack and Home Advisor and all these places you might pay 12 to $15 per call that you get. And a lot of them don't yield anything. So yeah. you're just wasting that money. But one in, I'd say maybe one or two within five will yield you several hundred dollars. So it kind of makes up for it. It, oh, it more than makes up for it. Yeah. And then one in 10 of those will give you probably a thousand, 1500, $2,000, $3,000 job. So it actually, the, the economics of it work, but I've like, I've had friends of mine that have started businesses, kind of older gentlemen that didn't really understand uh, socialness and how all this works. And he's like, this lead feed thing sucks. I don't know why you told me to do this. This is nothing. I'm like, bro, I built my first year by myself. I did 300 K off lead feed services. Yeah. You know, like I killed it. Really what this comes down to is what doesn't cost you money is presenting yourself. Well, yes, everywhere that your customers could be. Yep. When you walk into the house, don't look like a schlub. You know, you don't yeah. want to look too clean because there's nothing worse. Than what like, is a schlub? I don't know. <laughs> you know exactly what it is. No. <laughs> it sounds like a scrub, yeah. sloppy scrub. A, a sloppy scrub. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be too clean because there's nothing worse than a pristine electrician. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, you've it's, never gotten those pants dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's like a fresh. skateboarder with a perfect skateboard. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but don't be gross be pleasurable be like well-groomed it's a you know a little bit yeah wash your hands yeah. nobody wants to shake a dirty hand from somebody nobody wants you walking in their house with like filthy grease and crap all over you yeah if you're coming from another job go to a mcdonald's go into the bathroom and wash up a little bit yeah you know or if you're close to your house stop there for a second clean your boots they would rather you be like five, 10 minutes, like behind schedule, call them, of course, you know, but yeah, I, hey, I'm going to stop off real quick because I am filthy I'm, and I'm I gross. do not want to show up filthy. Yeah. Every one of them be like, cool. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> I smell bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the other part of what I told him. And I was, I was like, man, like the one thing that I hear complaints about more and more than anything is the attitudes of technicians when they show up are crappy. Yeah. So they're just like kind of like mean, short, don't give a shit, disrespectful, or they're filthy, dirty. They leave stuff around. They don't pick up after themselves. So if you can be the one person out of a hundred 
that they're going to come across that does all of those things that's super respectful, super clean, professional, they are going to recommend you to everyone and they're only ever going to use you because you're rare. Yeah. It, on top of it, there's there's a legitimate stigma to tradesmen just yeah. being, you know, gross, Filthy, gruff, dirty, yeah. yeah, like kind of rude and grumpy. Yeah. So because of that, if you are slightly any of those, you just fall into that category. Yeah. So you have to go above and beyond. But all all the meanwhile, that doesn't cost you anything other no. than maybe some clothing. But, yeah. And some hand soap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it's really, yeah, it's really, really important. I think the success of um, Livewire when we were doing that was in that when went from the time the phone was picked up, it's like, hey, how are you doing today? Like, what can I help you with? You know, instead of, yeah. Oh. You know, like that simple little thing means, oh, I just got a sale immediately. I know they're going to, because I'm, it's friendly and you joke around a little bit and talk about stuff and laugh and they want to hire you immediately because you're so different. It's like, I understand that you're like grumpy in life, <laughs> you know, but I couldn't imagine answering the phone already annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you mean? What? <laughs> yeah. Unless my kid has called me like 17 times in a sure, row. Sure. The 18th time you might get a what out of me, yeah. but it's on purpose. Right. You know, and that's the one time somebody's calling you for a business yeah. transaction. <laughs> oh, so yeah, you're how you appear, how you show up being professional, kind of separating yourself, being a differentiator. Cause you want to be remember, you want to be memorable. Yeah. You want to be memorable enough that people actually remember your name when they are like, hey, when a friend of theirs is like, hey, do you know an electrician? Yeah, dude, this guy, Dustin. Yes. Oh, dude, you've got to check him out. I got his phone number. If they can't remember your name and it's just like, oh, I had this one company out here this one time, you're not doing this right. Yep. They can't even remember your company name, your name. You didn't build enough rapport with them. You didn't get to know them. You didn't make them laugh. There was nothing about your interaction that they really gave a shit about. And they'll probably find a different electrician because they're just going to go Google electrician again. With my customers, none of them will call anybody else. Yeah. They will call only me. It's awesome. So I kind of want to end this in the sense of when you first start a business or when you have the idea of having a business, make sure to go through all the possibilities. Talk to people, look online of like what certain expenses might be, what you might have to pay, all, all the unexpected because there's so much information out there. I mean, literally ask ChatGPT and it'll just come up with anything and everything. But don't let that deter you from just jumping in and trying. Mm -hmm. keep it simple but start it yeah how, how often do you think you fail me personally well, with your business i mean you you fail as a fucking human all day long <laughs> i know that but <laughs> uh how often do i fail uh there are definitely ideas that i come up with that fall flat mm. i wouldn't say in a while have i done something that like was wicked detrimental to my business or my life but there are definitely things where I'm like, oh, this would be a good idea. And then I spent money on it and went forward with it and it kind of yeah. sizzled. Or I remember too, when you first started out along the pay lines, like you were getting, you were getting taken advantage of by people not paying you. Yes. And so we would have the conversation over and over and I'm like, no, you got to stick it to it. I, know. I was, like, I was oh, like hard school, old school <laughs> in you. Like, no, man, make take their money up front and like kick them to the curb. But and I, I did, think I you did learned, eventually. yeah, you learned yeah. the hard way that, yeah, you got to that uh you got to change something about that i think with with every failure that i have i don't have a weird relationship with failure yeah i have a weird relationship with 
um, rejection for sure. Like sure. one of the things I'm going through right now with uh, electrical engineering is the idea of getting into one of the top schools in the nation. And I actually have this slight like worry, which is weird. I'm a really confident person about everything. I don't worry about anything. I just know things are going to work out this process of like, am I going to get in? And what does it mean if I don't, if they turn me away, you know, yeah. it's a weird thing, but failure is not the thing. Like I don't worry about failure. I don't let failure get in my way of anything. So I feel like as an entrepreneur, you need to make friends and embrace the relationship with failure yeah. because you're going to constantly do things that you think are right. And then they're end up being wrong. And then you wasted money on this or you hired somebody you shouldn't have. And that ends up, you need to fire them. Like you're going to fail constantly, but as long as you're failing forward and you're comfortable with failure just means you learn something. Right. Failure is failure. If you deem it failure. Yeah. Like I, we shouldn't even label it that yeah. really. You know, it's like, Oh, I failed at this. No, you gave up. It's just missteps. Yeah. You got to keep walking. It, the only time you fail is if you stop mm -hmm. and give up or somebody dies. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think if I was wiring a house, somebody died, I think I'd be like, all right. All right. Yeah. No, I screwed up there. <laughs> Sorry about it. But I'm going to fail forward. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to label this as failure. <laughs> uh, no, but try it. You know, I, we do need a, most of the people on this earth to be workers, but we also need a bunch of them to create businesses and push forward and change the world yeah. so do it just try it start simple and try it yeah i agree the fear of failure is the one thing i think that keeps a lot of people from doing anything that they want to do and it's like literally just try try and fail it's okay then try again yeah. if you really want to do it just keep trying just keep eventually you're going to get graceful and you're going to be like, oh, this is what I should have done the whole time. Yeah, you get cool. better. Now I'm in. Now I'm on my way. Yeah. And then you're going to hit a fucking brick wall and fail again, yeah. you know? But yeah, I agree with that, man. Just just try. All right. So those of you out there that are thinking about starting your own business, if you uh, call this number now, you can pay me a million dollars and I'll consult with you for an hour. <laughs> that sounds great, right? Yes. No, we're actually building some courses right now. They're probably not going to be out for several months, but um, I'm doing a whole series of courses on this exact topic, starting an electrical contracting company, what you need to know, um, what you could avoid some of the failures, even, you know, things like tax structures, type of businesses, how to bid, how to hire all that kind of stuff. So, um, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that in the future, but, uh, don't be afraid to start. Just also don't start half cocked thinking that you're going to be a millionaire overnight because that's not the way this shit yeah. works. You're going to work harder at this than you've ever worked in your life. You're going to get more tired of it, more burned out and sick of it. Um, but if you really, really want it, you're just going to keep pushing through that and eventually you'll make it to a comfortable place. Yep. So love you crazy people. See you in the next one. Bye. Bye.